All right, everybody on YouTube, we are live right now with the behind the scenes of Successfully Chaotic, and I'm your host, Maria Daniels. Today, I have Beth Bullock, and Beth Bullock and I have known each other for a few years now, and we've done different projects along the way, but um, I wanted to have her on today because on the show, we do talk a lot about, obviously, the ups and downs of life in a real, raw, and authentic way, and Beth has got an amazing story and a new brand called Bossy Llama, and I really wanted her to just share with you all just the the why and the purpose behind the brand. Sure. Thanks, Maria. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Bossy Llama is, um, is new for, uh, for me. It's something a little bit different than what I normally do. But the reason behind it is over the last few years, um, we've taken some pretty hard hits. So to dig right in in the very beginning, um, to start at the beginning of our story and why this is happening, in 2014, we lost our oldest son to a heroin overdose. Um, and as a business owner, that's that's hard. <laughs> that's really hard um, to manage that. You know, we had been we'd gone through about a nine, 10 year addiction with him anyway, from the time he was in high school. He was 27 uh, when we lost him. Um, and so at the time that it happened, he had been home 48 hours from his third 28 day program. And in my mind, 28 days at that time was treatment. So I'm thinking, OK, we're good. Um, in the middle of all this, in the year or two prior to his death, we had also um, been very fortunate with our accounting firm to be able to come into with some franchises who were sending us new clients. We were growing very quickly. I was hiring employees, um, which I hadn't really had very many employees in the past. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so what happened there was all of a sudden, the morning that he passed, everything came to a screeching halt. And it sounds really weird, but I guess it was just my brain deflecting. But in that moment, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with my clients? People need stuff today. I've got accounting to do today. What am I going to do? Um, so I screamed out. It was a little bit more than reaching out at that point um, to some people to say, hey, I need some help. I need so I, you know, employee on hand, the franchise organized people who in the operations, they jumped in. What I learned through this process <clears throat> Wow. Um, as a business owner and then going through this, it's one thing to go through the addiction part of this with your kid or a family member. But once that happens and they pass, it's a whole new ball game. It took probably a good three weeks, two, three weeks before I could even come into the office. It took three hours <laughs> to get a shower and dry my hair and not put makeup on. Um, so things were changing rapidly, you know, on top of that, of running the business and then having other kids, you know, to, to have to consider. So what I did, I came in a couple hours a day for a couple of weeks and our clients are all over the country and we're in about 30 states and we have clients everywhere through this whole process. They were fabulous. They were calling and sending notes and sending cards and they just bent over backwards. They were just amazing clients and they were so good to my family. So I felt like I, I owed them a phone call. Um, I don't always get to talk to my clients all the time. I do in the initial, in the beginning. Um, but a lot of times they'll, they'll get paired off with their, their own individual bookkeeper. So I don't always get to talk to them after that point, unless they need coaching or something like that. So, um, I felt like at that point I owed them a phone call from me because they had all taken their time to take care of us so well. So 
what I found through those individual phone calls was I literally had about 75% of my client base who were dealing with something in addiction, whether it was with a spouse, a family member, a child, um, whether they had lost somebody or they had someone in treatment or they had somebody spiraling out of control and they had no idea what to do. Um, so that led to a lot of conversations, a lot of, uh, a lot of tearful calls, um, with between me and some. Um, and I, I had some that called that would just call the girls and say, how's our girl doing today? Um, I had a, a few, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, called and just said, okay, how, how are you doing today? Can I pray with you today? Uh, and they did. So, you know, it, it really took about three years to clear the fog in my head. Um, you know, this happened in 2014 um, and, you know, now 2021. And finally in the last year and a half, a um, couple of years, it, the, it's it's kind of been a little bit more focused. Um, I've found my lane better. Um, I can't have finally admitted at one point that I can't sit and do bookkeeping anymore. You know, I just can't. I can't focus on it. But that's OK. I don't have to because I have a team that's perfectly capable of doing that for me. So what happened through all of this is I really learned where my place is now and my place here has changed. And I have learned that there's a lot going on in the world of addiction and recovery and addiction services. Um, through all this, we started our own nonprofit to work with families. So a lot of that, that's taken a lot of my time. But what I've come to realize in the last year is nobody's talking to business owners. And there's a lot of business owners out there who are either dealing with addiction in their own family or who are dealing with it with employees within their firm. Um, if you have questions, you can jump in anytime. Yeah, I will. I'm just letting you kind of kind of lay the foundation. And then I do. I'm kind of collecting questions as we go along. So, you know, my, my husband works at the Ford plant um, here in Cincinnati and Sharonville and Nobody said anything about this until we lost Robbie. And Rod's been there for 28 years and, you know, everybody knows him. And so that opened doors for them to come to him and start talking. Um, you know, the UAW, there's been phenomenal with us. They've really had our back on this and supported us in the, in the nonprofit. And so what's where all this is coming from is there's a huge stigma around addiction. There's a stigma around addiction within your job in your employment, in your workplace. Um, there are employees who are struggling and don't want to talk to their coworkers or their boss about it because they don't want people to think that bad of them or their kid. There are people like me who own a business and have to manage day by day to get through this. Um, there are a lot of different layers to this and nobody's addressing it. Nobody's talking about it. Um, so what do we do about that? You know, we, we started our nonprofit to find the gaps, fill the gaps and, you know, serve in our community. That's what Bossy Lama is about. We have to be able to get to the business owner, help get them to a healthy place, help the business stay healthy, but then be able to create a program for that business as a benefit program or whatever that needs to look like. It's, but then to help the employees have a safe place to come, but then have help. Um, I mean, this this there's so many there's so many like avenues of this because. If you have a child in addiction, you know, maybe you have a grandchild. You know, we have a family member's little boy that we have custody of now who's fallen into this. Um, you know, I've laughed and said, if I didn't own my own business when we first got him through children's services, 
I got fired. You know, there were court dates and doctor's appointments and visits and agency visits and home visits and everything. I mean, three or four days a week, I was running, doing something for a long time. So how do we support the business owner? How do we support the employees? How do we fill that gap so that these stigmas go away? Um, and then how do we build a program to facilitate those needs? Because I'm a firm believer investing in your employees, invest in your employees, and it's going to come back tenfold. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's kind of how we got to this place. Well, and I, as you were talking, I kind of had a couple of questions that came in my mind. One of those is um, you kind of laid uh, the, the tragedy that you went through out. And for people that have lost a child, they can probably really um, feel the pain that you must have felt. And for those who have not lost a child, we can just imagine, um, the horror, um, about that you went through during that time. But one of the things that kind of came to my mind during this time is people that I do know, um, other than yourself that have lost a child specifically to drug addiction. There's also almost this shame attached to it. Shouldn't be, but there is this shame attached to it that if I would have, if I could have, I should have type of thing. And I think that can be so much more damaging than just losing, you know, just losing a child to be able to, you know, have those things that are playing in your mind. And even the off chance that somebody else is, is having those thoughts because, and I think it usually comes back to just a, a series of miscommunications of ignorance on the topic of, not really taking the time to realize that this is not isolated events. I, you know, I don't think I know a person that is not somehow affected by drug addiction. It may not be themselves or a spouse or a child, but I mean, I've told you, you know, my brother has struggled, you know, it's, it's a, it ends up being a family event. And, and I think that's kind of where I've seen the problems with a lot of these rehabilitation facilities. There are several problems that I've seen, but one of those is they typically only deal with the addict themselves and not the why behind it and not the family members that are supposed to be in a supportive place because, you know, he's not my, like my brother's obviously my brother, not my child, but I still feel helpless a lot because I want to do something, but I don't know what to do, you know? Yeah, that's is a good point. It's it's that um, the siblings always get left behind. I mean, they really do. My kids will tell you that. Um, that's one of the reasons why they have been so supportive with us with um, our nonprofit because they, um, you know, you're focusing so much on that one child because you think you can fix that kid. Um, and then up until that point, we thought we knew. We knew nothing, nothing. I mean, anybody I talk to now and you say, well, I thought 28 days was treatment. You should be fine now. I now I know better. That was yeah. probably the dumbest thing I could have ever thought. But there is a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of I, I should have done this. I mean, yeah, we've second guessed a million times. Um, but also, too, sometimes you just need somebody to step in and say, you know what? That shame and that guilt and that second guess, that's that's grieving. That's part exactly. of the grieving process. And until you have somebody tell you that, um, you don't really know. You exactly. just you just kind of. You know, and, and honestly, Maru, I, I got to a point where I had to, I was ready. I was done. I was done. I was closing this business. I was done. I'd been doing this for 15 years. Um, there's no way I was going to sit here and do this anymore. I can't do it. Uh, and a very good friend of mine um, said to me, you are not going to make this decision out of emotion. You're not doing it. I'm not going to let you. You're going to, you're going to, she said, you're going to suck it up. You know, pull up your bootstraps. 
<clears throat> put on your big girl panties and you're going to go to work. And that was the best thing anybody ever did for me because I, I would have stayed home and just given into the grief and the, and all of it. And it would have been horrible. What example would that have been for my kids? Exactly. You, know, you still, yeah, it's a horrible thing to go through. Uh, it changes your life forever. You will never be the whole person that you were before. Um, but what are you going to do about that? You know, I had employees. I have their families depending on me. You know, we have a lot of clients that are depending on us to take care of their business. Um, and I couldn't just sit down and not do anything. You know, what would that have said to my kids? And, you know, so it's it. That's why we're doing this, because I didn't have anybody. Yeah, I went to counseling. I still go to counseling. But um, that's just one puzzle piece, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's like, you know, I got to a place where I was ready to sell this. You know, yeah. I worked really, really hard to get these processes and these systems down and everything that we do here for the, the bookkeeping side is, <clears throat> excuse me, all online, streamlined, online, virtual. That's why we can be in 30 states. Um, and it's very, um, it's a very great process. <clears throat> but I had someone that was honestly a 30 year CPA and he looked at me and said, I can't do what you're doing. So I can't do that. I can't keep up with that. He said, don't, don't sell this. Don't do this. He says, you've worked too hard to build this and get this where this is. So that was really kind of like a step back. And I'm like, cause you know, when you're in this every day, you take it for granted. You know, you don't yeah. think about it. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll just sell it and go on, you know, whatever. But also when you're drowning, you're just looking for a life mm -hmm. raft somewhere because yeah. again, I've not been in the place exactly <laughs> the place that you have, but I've been through some traumatic stuff where I just needed to be able to take a breath and something had to yeah. give. Exactly. And you just need that extra person there. That's why, you know, with Bossy Llama, it's going to be so important. We want to focus on the business owner first. We want to focus on them. We want to help them get healthy, help their family get healthy, help them be able to get to a place where they can level up to that next step and say, okay, all right, we got this. We're going to, we're going to move forward and then be able to bridge that gap and help their, help their employees. Yeah. And I think that's important because whether it is the business owner themselves that are directly dealing with your addiction or it's an employee, it comes back to affect the business as a whole. So going ahead and you mentioned processes, going ahead and having processes in place for if that is starting to directly, you know, kind of come into your business on what needs to be done, because this idea that it's not our problem is so flawed in so many ways. Um, it is our problem. We may not know what to do. There's lots of times I don't know what to do, but, you know, with my brother specifically, but as far as like with the business itself, you know, if the business owner is dealing with it directly, being able to have somebody coming in in a supportive role to say, you focus on what you need to focus with. We have this. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It is. And that's what I had. I mean, I had an operations person from the main franchise we work with and I had my girl here and they're like, you don't worry about this. Don't even walk in the door. We got this. They notified all the clients. They they took care of everything. Um, I had another friend, CPA, who who stepped up and offered, you know, help. And it's, um, you know, in that moment, that, that's what I needed. That's exactly what I needed, you know. And then when you come back, <clears throat> you're right. This is a this is a family addiction is a family thing. It, it's it affects every aspect of your family, and it doesn't matter how hard that you say it doesn't. It does. Everybody handles it differently. Um, and just like where we were, you know, I take it for granted now. Well, you know, it's been how many years have we been in an opiate epidemic? How many years have we had this going on now? Um, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years now that it's been really out there and, and we've been really focusing on it. 
But still, I meet families all the time who don't know what to do. Well, how do I handle this? How do I handle her? How do I do this? You know, so there's, you know, so we work with them on enabling because I did it. You know, you feel bad because you can't come home, you know, from the military for Christmas. And what's mom do? Send him a hundred bucks. Yeah. And then you get the phone call from the daughter-in-law. Did you just send him a hundred bucks? Because you know what he's going to do with that. I'm like, you know, it's just that kind of stuff, you know. And then as you go along through this, and those those are second guessing things. Those are things you look back. I still look back on that. How silly that was. But you know, as as a business owner, you know, we're out here alone a lot of times in what we do. You know that. I mean, you're out doing what you're doing, and you've got a whole list of things in your head you need to do. And you know, so we need help. You know, we, we need help. We don't know what to do just because we're, we're business owners doesn't mean we know everything. So that's the goal. That's really our goal is really to work with, with the business owner, help them and their family get healthy and understand. And if you're a business owner that doesn't have this in your family, you know, then the next step is then working with your, your, your staff and helping them understand. And, you know, there's a whole process that we have to, to really address the issue because there's a lot of things that, that come with this. It's not just addiction. It's not just drug addiction. I mean, we do this from a, a trauma informed approach where we help the business owner and help the employees understand what trauma is and how it affects development and how it affects every situation. Um, everybody suffered trauma at some point. I mean, we've all lived through 2020 and that's traumatic enough, you know, so there's trauma, but it's how do you, how do you then respond to that in a healthy way? So we do a trauma, a trauma informed approach to all the all the support and the training that we do everything that we build is is from a trauma-informed approach Um, and then it's helping support them i mean this this goes across trauma when there's addiction there's abuse there's um a lot of times trafficking human trafficking um a lot of different things play into this um that that people need to understand what's going on because the more you know the better you can react to it and the better and the less you. stigma. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's a fear of the unknown. You know, I'm a firm believer that the more you dwell on something, the worse it gets. So let's not dwell on it. Let's learn what it is. Let's learn all these different aspects. Let's learn appropriate responses. Let's work on our own trauma. Um, and then let's build a good comprehensive program for the business to be able to support their employees. Because as you know, with this little boy we have, we're kinship care providers for him. Um. You know, if I had like you know, a W-2 job where I was going working for somebody else, that would have been a problem. Yeah, that would have been a big problem. Um, you know, so what do you do if you have someone in your employment that gets a child at off hours? How are they supposed to get to work the next day? Yeah. What are they going to do with that child? You know, you're bringing a child into your home now that's probably very traumatized. What are you going to do? Get up the next morning, drop them off somebody at daycare they don't even know? You know, th- those are the things we have to work through and we have pro- processes to do that. But those are some of the things that happen to be able then, uh, because if not, you're going to you're going to have that employee is going to be taking time off. You know, if you're paying them vacation time or personal time that they have to take off and then you have to replace them for that day, you're still that's double. You know, so what can we do to help you reduce the cost of that? But be able to offer a program for your fa- your your employment to, to take care of them and their family. Exactly. And I like that you're approaching this from two different levels to say, 
you know, if you have drug addiction directly, you know, as the owner and or as the employee, you know, with themselves or a family member, or if they've been affected on the other side where they they're the ones that's taking in these children that are unfortunately kind of caught in the middle of this, you know, either way that causes, you know, more stress, more trauma, you know, more, more of questions on what to do. And I love that you're approaching this from both angles because I've seen it from both angles. I've been through a lot of it on, from both angles and, you know, you are very much left with this, what to do. And I was lucky enough, you know, um, I, I had my brother's kids, you know, for a while. So I, I've got that too. You know, you get the phone call, you better come get them. If not, they're going into, yeah, I'm just like, I mean, what do you do? You're of course going. So, you know, it, it, it does, it turns your life upside down. And even if you're willing to do it, there is this, level of upheaval. And I had other children in the house upheaval. I mean, there's this whole thing that goes on when you have any big life change like that, you know, it does, it causes upheaval. It causes upheaval for, you know, the household that trickles into the workplace and it just kind of goes from there. So being able to know that these are possibilities and already have the processes in place to tackle it, it's going to just cause so much less stress and so much less loss as far as, you know, financial losses and, you know, because you got to look at it even from a productivity level. And yes, you know, a lot of this is very emotional driven and everything, but as far as the business itself, you know, you do have to look at it from a level of a financial, you know, aspect of it too. And, you know, being able to already have those steps in place is going to allow that business to still stay in a place that it needs to be financially and, you know, with the productivity and still be able to help, you know, the person that is going through the struggles. Yeah. And and this whole plan too is designed to, um, to involve the community, you know, because we have some that, you know, we're, we're contacting the daycares in the area and talking to the daycare and they say, okay, what can you do with this business and help me be able to set up a program that if, if a grandparent gets a grandchild seven, eight o'clock at night, all they have to do is call this number. Say, okay, I'm going to be there with little Johnny tomorrow at seven o'clock. Um, where's the paperwork for that? Where's, you know, making that happen, making mm-hmm. that happen because, um, you know, those are the things that, that need to take place. And it's, you know, things can be, you can be uprooted. You can, you can fall into stress. You can, you can look at, at, at a situation and say, oh my gosh, how did I get here? And this is such crazy. But if you have a plan in place, it makes it a lot easier. It does. Those employees know. And I can tell you just with, with Rod at work, there were people that would come to him that were dealing with this, had been dealing with this, and they never said anything. Back to the shame and the stigma. Yeah, but because Rod did talk about it and everybody knew him, that kind of was like their open door, you know, and he's worked, he's worked to help get several, meaning people, family members and stuff um, into treatment over there. So it, it did open a door for that. So it's like, you know, it's, it's only, it's only a horrible, horrible secret as long as it's a secret, right? Exactly. So, you know, let's, let's put some light on it. Let's bring it out. Let's let's create a plan. Let's work with that. I'm telling you, I could have. It would have been great to have somebody to work with here that would have been able to, you know, to be on me and say, help me with a goal. Because I can remember that week, um, you know, our, with our nonprofit, we've created a packet of information that we've given out to law enforcement stuff to carry. And I can remember we we created that off of the fact that just sitting there that week, I remember just sitting there on the front porch and saying, just tell me what I need to do. Just just tell me. Tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. I can't think. I can't figure it out. Just tell me what I need to do. You know, and I was kind of even like even the funeral home. Just 
tell me, tell me what we need. Just do it. You know, so that's where you get. It would really been nice, you know, and there are some times when you just need some time, you know, you just need some time exactly. to fall apart. But, um, you know, it would really been nice to have somebody that I could have, you know, worked with for a little bit. A life raft. Yeah. 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 Because I, I mean, when you're going through trauma, you know, name the trauma, you know, you can't think clearly. It takes everything within you to just get up and kind of barely go through the basic motions. And, you know, and that's that I think, you know, when you're when you're talking about, you know, really reaching out to the community, you know, one of the things that I think is so important is really realizing that most people are actually good. They are. And I know you watch the news and it seems like most people are terrible and horrible and don't give a crap. And there are a few like that, but most people are actually good. They may, you know, sometimes come across wrong or whatever, but at the end of the day, most people I've ever dealt with, um, even if they have that outer layer, you know, um, that hard shell, sometimes they really are caring on the inside, but a lot of times they just don't understand. And I think, you know, driving, the education into the community and also encouraging them to kind of be a part because that whole adage that it takes a village, you know, can be literally applied to anything, including the fact that if we have, you know, communities that are rampant with, you know, the, the drug addiction and the fallout from that, because there is, there's a fallout from it, it is a trickle down effect. Mm -hmm. If we already know that that's an issue, the root cause is not, you know, attacking the addict with, well, you should just quit or attacking the family. Why would you let them or whatever it may be? And I think a lot of times that stuff ends up coming out because fear causes anger and then yeah. anger causes fear. And then it just ends up being this like perpetual roundabout. And if you could get in, get them to understand that, you know, addiction sounds like if when you hear somebody talking about addiction, it seems easy. Okay. Well, if you're addicted to drugs, just stop doing drugs. You know, that's easy to say, but they don't realize from a literally medical standpoint, what it does to the brain, how it changes the brain and how, you know, that when somebody tries anything, and I don't know very many people that hadn't tried something in high school or, you know, something, you know, that, you know, you literally have a switch that a lot of people have, literally their DNA has a switch that just gets flipped on. And then all of a sudden they're, they're more prone to addiction because it's the way that the hormones in the brain zone. I think a lot of people don't realize that and understand that. And I think if they did, they would think about things a little bit differently. They would. And, and I still, I, I still, I will tell you in the last two, three months, I have still heard from people in the medical field. Well, she's an addict. She doesn't want help. So she can just go. Really? Really? Because that is a lot of trauma. That is how, you know, th that's, that's what we need to stop. We need to stop that assumption that they're just an addict and they don't want help. They don't know how to get help. And when you're a parent and then you've taken on a child, you know, our situation is different because he's a family member's little boy. But, you know, when you're a parent and you take on a child of your child and that child is still living active addiction, your every day is up in smoke every day. You're waiting on that phone call. You're trying to take care of this child and then saying no to your child. You can't come see your kid because of this. It, it's people just don't even understand how difficult that is. And then if you have to work on top of it, I mean, I've worked with a lot of grandparents who have taken in grandkids and grandma's had to had to quit. She yeah. had to take leave, you know, from very good jobs. I mean, from being a nurse to you know executive jobs, they had to choose their job and their grandchild. What else were they going to do? 
you know, and, and, and then, you know, we're to a place now. So this is why we hit the trauma part of, of it, because a lot of almost every person that I've worked with in the last six years has trauma coming from somewhere as a child, something's happened to create trauma and that trauma was left uh, unprocessed. Exactly. And now, and a lot of the, the, a lot of the, the kids we've worked with or the, you know, young adults we've worked with, they've grown up in homes where abuse and addiction and things like this were commonplace. That's just what happened. And these kids are literally growing up in homes where that is normal to them because they don't have healthy to compare to. And when you have that kind of life and now all of a sudden you're being put over here, you know, that, that takes a lot of care. And when you're that, that adult that's getting that child, you still have to work. You know, you still have to go to work. What do you do? Do you need, you know, so then it's, you know, individually talking with each business owner because we want to find out what do you want? This is your company. What are your goals? What are your dreams? What are your strengths? What, um, what idea do you have going forward of how are you going to operate this business? Do you want to take a step back and train somebody to, to be you? Um, which is really kind of what I've done here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad always taught me, my dad worked IGA for 40 years. And he always taught me from a very early age as a good manager works himself out of a job. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't need to be here. These women run this accounting firm seamlessly. I don't have to be here. They know what to do. They take care of everything. Um, I don't need to be here. So that allows me to go out and do other things like, you know, the nonprofit and things. But, um, you know, what we want to know, what, what do you want with your business? What do you see? What do you want to make available for your employees? Um, you know, and then how can we train them to understand what addiction is, what trauma is? I tell you, it really opened up my eyes when, um, you know, I'm just kind of mom. I have to know everything. You know, I need to know everything about my kid. Um, I thought I knew everything before we lost him. Um, and it was very evident that I did not. So when I started learning more addiction and just learned how it um, affects your brain and it changes physically changes the nerve pathways in your brain and I learned that I was like wow that made a whole lot more sense to me when I learned trauma made made things make a lot more sense to me um, so these are the things that we have to you know help people understand because you can you can really I, I mean I, I if, if it wouldn't have been for my friend Peg who said you're not going to do you're not shutting the doors out of emotion I would have shut the doors yeah so and so kind of I know there's a, probably a lot of people that are questioning um like maybe they're, they're thinking about somebody that they know so maybe they're questioning you know I do know somebody that's struggling through this and maybe they've unfortunately lost a child or maybe they're the child's incarcerated or maybe it's a spouse or you know whatever but what would be just some some tips and steps that you can tell them um that they could take to kind of start to kind of to dig out of the problem, to get help, to find resources. I mean, other than obviously contacting Bossy Lama, but even before that, you know, maybe they, they end up listening to the replay of this and it's 11 PM, you know, what is something that you can tell them, whether it's mindset tips or actionable tips or whatever, from your standpoint on, you know, going through those motions. Okay. The very first thing I would tell you, and I'm telling you this because I did it. Stop saying not my kid because it is your kid. Our kids make mistakes. So stop saying it's not my kid. And, you know, for the it, it's not our fault as parents. We do the best we can. Now, with that being said, there are some parents out there that do screw up their kids. We all know that. Um, 
but for the most part is to get your head out of the sand and realize that if if you start seeing sneaky behaviors and hiding things and smelling weird smells out of their bedroom and start and finding different things in their room. And there's things that we can teach parents what to look for. We don't really publish it because we don't, yeah, obviously, you know, but (laughs) they probably know more than we do. I'm sure. But um, the first thing is, is realize what's going on and stop saying it's not Um, living in denial. um, You know, and here we go. Second guessing. If I knew then what I know now, we would have made a lot different choices, probably a lot better choices. Um, So stop saying not my kid. Um, The second thing is, one, get yourself into counseling because you cannot help your child heal unless you are healthy. And you cannot understand how to help them unless you've dealt with your demons. And we all have them. All of us. Yeah. Get yourself into some good counseling. Um, find a mentor or somebody in your area. Um, you know, we, we work with a lot of families. A lot of times it's just a phone call. Um, learn what addiction is. Be very, very clear on the limits of your enabling. Um, and understand it's almost like Marie, you almost have to, you almost have to kind of like put that dividing wall down and say, okay, this is my boundary. Cause we all have to have boundaries with them. Mm-hmm. But then realize that I cannot keep saying, oh, but they're hungry. Oh, but they're this. Oh, but they're that. Okay. We, as much as the trauma has probably gotten them into this and they can't make decisions, once they're into this, whether it's heroin or meth or whatever, especially meth is really going around bad. Um, it's going to get really, really bad before it gets any better. And they have to want the help. Um and understanding that, but understanding that you don't have to put up, um, you don't have to put up with um, a lot of, you know, excuses. It's just really getting getting a mentor. And we do it for everybody. You know, it's part of our nonprofit. It's what we do, you know, on that part of it. But getting a mentor to help you understand what what this is. So I would say, you know, stop saying it's not my kid and get a counselor. Those are the first two. And be open, open, open your mind to learning because you don't know. You don't know. I don't care if you've gone through this for the last 10 years and you've drug them out of places and you've done all this stuff. You know what you know about that. Um, but you need to really, you're going to have to hear some hard things. I did. It's yeah. hard. And I think that's important to do though. I think if you ignore the hard things and real quick, that's strange is another podcaster that comes on here and he said, um, it's good stuff, Beth. And, um, you know, but yeah, I think that, Sometimes it takes going through the muck, going through the hard stuff and just literally facing it head on. And I know how difficult that is on, on different things. I mean, you could say that for lots of things, but until you kind of force yourself to do that, there, you can't get to the other side. And the other side is obviously where the healing is, where, you know, and, and that's where you want to be. So I, I think it's important um, that parents everywhere um, or spouses or siblings or whoever is dealing with this employers um, that they realize that, you know, even though there is still a little bit of a stigma attached, all this stuff, there's so much of it going around. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that are struggling with this on different levels that there shouldn't be. And um, you should talk about it. And, you know, you mentioned find a counselor, or find a mentor, or find a friend, you know, and, 
really start to open up about where your struggles are because as embarrassing as it may be, or you're not sure if you should, and the idea that you're afraid people are going to judge you or whatever it is, the more people that go ahead and do it afraid anyway, Mm -hmm. the less of the stigma that there's going to be. Because if everybody starts talking about, you know, their journey with it, wherever that is, they're going to, people are going to start to realize, oh, them too. Oh, them too. Yeah. And you know what? And you have to practice this. You can't just wake up one day and, and, and say, okay, Funds cut off. I'm done. Not how, you can't just wake up one day and do that. I mean, you have to practice it. You have to mentally get yourself to that point. But you have to understand that you have to have good boundaries. You have to set those boundaries, not just for you, but for them. And you have to practice this. And what I tell parents that we work with all the time is practice every day saying, I'll take you to treatment. I'll take you to treatment. When they say, mom, I need this. Mom, I need you to do that. You know, and they get they get pretty belligerent about what they want. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, you know, well, you owe me this. No, I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you anything. I'll take you to treatment. But yeah. they have to see, because you know what? They need that. They need that structure. They need that stability. And the one thing that we do, we do a lot of street outreach. So we work with a lot of girls in our area here that um, at these hotels and things down by our office. And um, the one thing that we are with them is consistent on telling them the truth. Being flat out honest, I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. I don't like what you're doing. You deserve better. And I can get you to a place where you're better. If you don't want to be in this hotel room, you tell me, I'll come get you. But what I always tell them is, I'll take you to treatment. I'll get you safe. I'll take you to treatment. So as a parent, you know, and I tell parents that too, you know, you have to set your boundaries. Once it goes over that boundary, if they really are hungry and they really need clothes or something, that's where we come in in our area here. <clears throat> that's where we come in and we'll take them a hygiene bag or we'll take them clothes or, you know, we'll drop off a lunch sack to them or something like that. But, um, you know, that's okay for us to do to a certain point. But we have to be careful, too, that we don't want to enable them as well. Because, you know, enabling is whatever you're doing is allowing them to continue in the behavior that they're in. And that that's enabling. So if you ask yourself. Is what I'm about to do going to allow them to continue doing what they're doing? Is um, if I put gas in their car, assuming that at this point they have a car, um, if I put gas in their car, is that going to free up any money that they have for drugs? Probably. Mm -hmm. Um, If I feed them, of course, we don't want them to be hungry. But, you know, these kids are they're resourceful. It's one thing I learn all the time. They're resourceful. Um, so again, it, it's being very, very careful about that enabling and setting those boundaries. Well, they're resourceful because that becomes, you know, their need, exactly. you know, it becomes exactly. that's their, their brain gets rewired and mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like they get to the point they can't stop it. And they do need that treatment. They do need that help. They do need those things that are set in place to help them kind of get over that hurdle. But until they're over that hurdle, it, it's like they can't help it. They're, they're yeah, always going to be hardwired to do that. Yeah. And that's why we do what we do in our um, outreach. A friend of mine, Alexis, and I do a lot of street outreach here. And that's the one thing that we really do is um, is really make that connection so that they know they have someone there. You know, giving them that little light at the end of the tunnel. That, oh, because a lot of these girls don't have any hope at all. They're being trafficked right and left for their addiction, exploited for their their um, drug addiction. And, and that's the one little thing that we make sure that we do is they know they have support. They know they have somebody they can call. They know, um, you know, if when they're done, when they're ready to go, I've told every one of them, I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. When you're done and you're ready to go, you call me, I'll come get you. We'll get you in somewhere. Um, and 
it's just building that that rapport with them so that they know because they have to be ready in their own mind. And then we can talk about that trauma part of, you know, that thing all day long. But um, they have to be able to come to this in their own decision, their own way, in their own time. And when they're ready, that's when you sweep in and get them. Um, and, and that but that's what we're building this whole time is that support system. Absolutely. Alex popped in here and said, I wish my parents would have had it when he, when I was younger. It's important to have a real support system. And that's what Beth's, you know, Beth's on here to kind of share her own personal journey, obviously, and also some of the outreach and stuff that she's doing and talking about her new um, or newer um, <laughs> business. Because you're, you're like me, you're a serial entrepreneur. So <laughs> Um, your newer business called Bossy Llama, really digging into the workplace and dealing with employers and employees to help be able to get them treatment if they're dealing with it directly or support them in, you know, processes and stuff to be able to help them heal and um, business to go on as usual. So, I mean, I think those are all super important things to really think about. And, you know, I've, I've known you for a few years now and, you know, your stories always touched me because as a mom, um, you know, my heart breaks for anybody that's lost a child, just breaks. And, um, you know, one thing I, I want, wanted to have you kind of discuss, because we talked about this the other day when we were just chatting on the phone, is I think so many people want to do something or say something uh, to somebody that has lost a child, especially to drug addiction or something that just seems so much more harsh, um, but they don't know what to do or say. And I think it's important. Um, I can't say what to do or say, because I've not been through it. But I think it's important that, you know, for people that have unfortunately been there, what what would you advise somebody that has a friend or a family member or employee or employer that is unfortunately dealing with that deep loss? What are some things that you would have them say and more importantly, maybe not say? Yeah. So everybody handles grief and trauma differently. It's an, it's, it's its own separate experience for each one of us. Um, I think as, as someone who has lost a child, um, don't be offended at what anybody says because people understand that people don't know what to say and they're going to say something dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's just what it is. Um, I still do it. You know, I, and I told you the other day, I still catch myself learning that another, you know, someone has lost a child. I still catch myself going, Oh my God, that's so horrible. And I'm like, maybe it's horrible. You know, you've done it. But what I feel, what I process and what my husband feels and processes is not exactly what somebody else. So I don't understand exactly what another mom is going through. You know, I've told my kids through all of this, too, is I know how I feel as a mom, but I don't know how you feel as a sister or a brother. So just understanding that everybody this processes differently and everybody grieves differently and there's no time limit on it. Um, what I found to be the most helpful when people came around um, cause people come around you and they're scared. You can tell in their face, they're nervous. They're kind of, you know, hands are kind of shaky and they shake your hand or something or they hug you and they're shaky cause, cause they're scared. They don't know what to say, but also understanding that they're grieving with you because they don't, it hurts them that you're going through this. Yeah. So when you're working with somebody, I just be flat out. I say, you know what? I am so sorry. I don't know what to say. Um, yeah. because honestly there are no words. You're not going to make it better. Um, and just telling them that, you know, um, you know, I don't I don't know what to say, but I'm here. You know, I don't know how you feel. I need you to tell me how you feel. If you need something, I need you to tell me what you need. Um, and sometimes it's just dropping something off at the house or just a text thinking about you today. You know, how's today going? Just being real and normal 
um, not putting on any, um, you know, you don't have to put kid gloves on for us. If we cry, it's okay. Cry with us. It's okay. Um, and, you know, I there were, there, there's just a lot of things. I just, just, just be there. Just be there. Don't be afraid to be there. Don't be afraid to stand up and hug them and, and just say, I don't know what to say. I have no words. Yeah. That's okay. You don't have to have it. I think that's great advice. And I mean, I, unfortunately, you know, there's so many people everywhere that are dealing with and have dealt with something this traumatic and, you know, being able to just be there for that person and like, just listen, you know, mm-hmm. just, just be there for when they need you. I think that's so important to do. Um, and, you know, I think discussions like this, um, I'm definitely an empath. Discussions like this just like, oh, rip my soul out. But I still think they're, they're, they're so important to have because, again, it reduces that stigma. You know, the more you talk about things, um, the more people, you know, connect emotionally and they, they can say, you know, I felt like that too. Or I didn't think anybody else went through that. Or because, you know, the stigma that's related to drugs is typically that, you know, it's only impoverished people in low income areas, da, 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 da. You know, there's just so many stigmas related to it. And while, you know, there, some of those are, you know, and, you know, in fact, true, you know, there are very good parents out there that unfortunately, have had to deal with losing a child to something that is so harsh and horrific because, you know, life can be messy. And I say this all the time, life can be messy. And no matter how hard you try to be the perfect parent, you're not. I mean, I don't. And it's isolating. It's so isolating, you know, and as a business owner, when I felt this just individually, and we we had um, friends that invited us over like the next week um, just to get us out of the house. But it's so isolating because then you don't want to go anywhere because you feel like when you walk in anywhere, somebody's going, oh, there comes Ron Beth. Here comes Ron Beth. You know, you, you feel like you're like, like raining on the party or something. And then, you know, as a business owner, you still have meetings to go to. You still have things you have to do. You don't feel like being there, yeah. um, but you still have to keep going. But it's isolating. And, you know, when you walk in a room, it's not so much anymore. But, um, you know, when I started going back to meetings, I'd walk in a room knowing everybody knew, you know, I've lived in this area my whole life. Everybody, I know everybody and everybody knows who I am. So it's like, you're not going to go anywhere where I don't know somebody. So everybody knew and you know that people don't want to say anything or they want to say something. They don't know what it's just, it's isolating. So Mm -hmm. that's our whole goal with bossy llama is, is to break the stigma to help, help you get through those phases of that, you know, in the beginning, help you be able to get healthy um, and get to a point because as time goes, the intensity does lessen. Uh, I didn't believe that when somebody told me, but it does. Um, three years I had the fog and the, the you know, it, it took three years to really feel like myself again. And sometimes I have moments where I don't. So that that's our whole goal. With Bossy Lama is is we want to be able to nobody's addressing the business owner. Yeah, as a parent, but then how many of us, you know, this is our livelihood. Yeah. This is what we have to we do. wear different hats, right? We do. And who's gonna who's gonna help us get through that? So that's and the that's, whole goal of that is be able to do that and then help your employees so you can you can help them um and then build a strong staff of people so that your your company can just, you know, thrive through that. 
I love that. And, you know, really working with the community to drive that village, you know, atmosphere, I think is the key because at that point you're building the relationships and you're building the structure. And I think, you know, that is something that really, it can change people's mindsets. And then it sounds silly and cliche, but it can go on to literally change the world because, you know, it's, it's the butterfly effect of things. And, well, it just, yeah, and it's like, yeah. we were really, the tagline kind of came up as like, um, real life right now. Yeah. I love that life right now because that's what's happening. Life happened. <laughs> we were doing great and everything was wonderful. And of course, you know, we had him, we were still dealing with his addiction yeah. for a long time, but, but when we lost him, it's like, everything stopped. And we're like, okay, so real life right now, it happens. It's happening. And how are we going to do that? You know, as a business owner and we have people to take care of clients and employees and families. So we have to be, you know, there's got to be something there for us too. So can you share with everybody if, if, you know, they're a business owner that, and they're interested in working with Bossy Lama to go ahead and put together the processes um, because it's the smart thing to get ahead of the game before it's a big problem, before it happens, because then you're clamoring around trying to figure out what to do. So get ahead of it. Where would they reach you and kind of what's the process for that? Um, They could email me at Beth at BossyLama.com. And uh, my phone number, it's my cell number. Everybody has it. It's 513-212-8176. Right. And that's perfect. And again, I really appreciate appreciate you coming on today and being, you know, so real and raw about your journey. Um, you know, unfortunately, creating a business like you have comes from a passion and a purpose. And yeah. the fact that that purpose is driven from such a deep loss is, you know, it's heartbreaking, but I really admire you for pushing forward and making it a reality because I think it's, it's, I think it's an important thing to do. Thanks. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, I, when this airs and drops onto Apple podcasts, Spotify, and all your other favorite podcast platforms, I'll make sure that the links to get a hold of Beth is in the show notes. And for all of you that have been watching on YouTube, I will go back and pop those in there as well. And, you know, if, you are struggling with drug addiction um, or you have a family member struggling with drug addiction, you know, reach out for help. And, you know, Beth's a great resource because she's been there. And um, Bossy Llama, if you have a business or you're even employing a business, bring it to your boss's attention because this is something that, you know, creating that village, creating that structure, creating those processes now before it becomes a problem is so, so important. And let's reduce that stigma because, you know, addiction is something that a lot of people look at with kind of a negative outlook and it doesn't have to be like that because it's a struggle just like a lot of other struggles. So until next time, it's Maria Daniels with Successfully Chaotic and my guest Beth Bullock with Bossy Llama. I know you have questions, I don't have answers.